This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational cannabis across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. Right. On today's show, we're welcoming Solomon Israel. Solomon is a cannabis reporter for the Winnipeg Free Press and its cannabis news site, theleafnews.com. So Solomon grew up in Boston. He's the son of two native Winnipeggers. He came to Canada in 2003 to attend the University of Toronto, where he completed his Master's of Journalism at the Carleton University in 2011. After that, he went straight to CBC News in Toronto, where he worked as a TV news reporter on the Lang and O'Leary Exchange and other news programming for CBC News Network. After shifting to digital news from CBC.ca, Solomon decided to stand out from the crowd by specializing in a very timely topic, which is why we're all here, cannabis. He drove out to Colorado for a summer in 2016 to report firsthand on how legalized marijuana affected the state and came back to Canada determined to learn everything he could just like us. So Solomon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Uh, I, I have to start by saying when we started the podcast today, you immediately had to send out an email, but because there's live cannabis news happening as we speak. So let's just jump right into that. What's <laughs> yeah, going on? Today's, uh, today's actually my day off, unfortunately, but I, I ended up working anyway because there was a cool um, tactical briefing with, um, with the folks from Health Canada who were really involved in, in the in the details of legalizing cannabis and uh they were they were doing this conference call where they revealed some 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 cool new details uh the big thing that i'm really interested in is the proposed warning labels um that will some version of these is going to appear on legal cannabis packaging in the near future okay uh, and they've got this uh this big list of things that kind of like the, the, the labels on cigarettes and um wow. yeah you know the first thing i i noticed when i was looking at it is uh, you know I've looked at enough of the, the medical and scientific literature uh, on cannabis and the health risks of cannabis now that I can kind of I can kind of tell where it where things are coming from and right. some of those warning labels are, are based on some research that uh, that's really quite old. Yeah. So what's it saying? Can you tell us, or is that top secret? Yeah, I can give you. No, no, it's not secret. I mean, they just released it publicly. Uh, if you give me half a second here, I can just pull it up. Oh, I but, yeah, love this. If I recall. <laughs> there's uh so basically you're, you know there's they sort of offer this menu of warning labels you have to have one on on different kinds of packaging right so each one has a primary sentence and then a secondary sentence so i'll, I'll read you the list of the six primary sentences wow one cannabis smoke is harmful two do not use if pregnant or breastfeeding three do not drive or operate machinery after using cannabis four cannabis can be addictive Five, regular use of cannabis can increase the risk of psychosis and schizophrenia. And six, adolescents are at greater risk of harms from cannabis. And then each one has sort of a, you can choose from additional okay. uh, secondary sentences to add that wow. sort of give a bit more information. So you have to have two of those? Well, each, so yeah, each one will have to have one primary sentence, like the main warning, and then a secondary sentence. So like, for wow. example, for the first one, the primary sentence is cannabis smoke is harmful. And then for the second one, the, the, and then the secondary sentence for that is harmful chemicals found in tobacco smoke are also found in cannabis smoke. Wow. So 
Okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. And and what about size? Has there been a decision made on the size of that label on packaging? Yeah, they do. Um, they do. They also introduced kind of universal or proposed. Again, this is a you know it's not final yet, but uh, they introduced this sort of universal symbol cannabis symbol that's going to appear oh, wow. uh, on cannabis packaging, and it looks like a stop sign. So it's kind of a it's a red stop sign and octagon, and it's got it says THC on the bottom, and then oh. there's a picture of a cannabis leaf. Oh, there you um, go. So, yeah, and they were saying on the conference call that, you know, they've tested this on uh, focus groups with um, with children and, and, and adults, and they seem to have gotten the whatever results they want from that. I guess right, they're satisfied right. that, that a stop sign shows the, shows the risks of cannabis, you know? Well, I guess it does. I'll have to ha- have to have a, yeah. a look at it, I guess. Wow. Well, I almost wish this was yeah, live. We could and, have you know, broke this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll it'll be. Uh, there were plenty of other reporters on the call, so we'll be in there. Yeah. Sorry about that. My uh, my dog's just flipping out in the background here. Someone just walked in. No, no problem. So look. Um, well, we that's can... exciting. I wanted to. Uh, yeah. First of all, speaking of it being exciting, so you're the reporter for the Winnipeg Free Press. And as I've read, the first official cannabis-only news reporter in Canada. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes and no. I, it would be more accurate to say that I'm, I'm the first cannabis news reporter in Canada who works for a, a daily newspaper. Uh, oh. But there are definitely, yeah, there are definitely people who were doing it before me, um, you know, but some of them work for, for example, there's uh, Amanda Siebert. Uh, in Vancouver, she works for the for the Georgia Strait. They have a great uh, cannabis section. Right. Uh, that's sort of like a, a weekly tabloid. Um, and of course, because it's in BC, they've got a lot of local stuff to write about. Uh, there's also a, a gentleman named uh, uh, um, Kieran who uh, does it for uh, Now Magazine in Toronto. And right. uh, there are a few people who work for an organization, Lift Cannabis News. And they were doing course, it too, but yeah. none of those are for like daily newspapers. Right. So this context is what makes it makes it interesting. Um, and so you decided to go, like, was that a decision that you made on your own to go, this This is an emerging industry, an emerging market. I'm going to carve out this space for myself here. Yeah. I mean, I was I was writing for uh, cbc.ca for the business news section here. And there was, you know, some interest in, in cannabis news stories there. Um, but I, I wanted to carve out a bit more of a niche for myself and also... Frankly, I wasn't happy with the way I saw just the kinds of cannabis reporting I was seeing um, in CBC and other news outlets. So I thought, Uh you know, I also just sort of needed a vacation. So I thought, (laughs) you know, why not just take a drive down to Colorado and see what's there? And I arranged (laughs) to do some some stories for CBC on a freelance basis there. Not a bad game. For uh, CBC Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think... I definitely lost, <laughs> I lost money on that trip for sure. It was not a money-making venture, but right. uh, I did, I did get a vacation and I think it probably helped lead me to where I am today. So um, yeah. And I mean, I had a good time in the process too. I had some friends who were living out in Colorado at the time and it's, you know, Colorado is gorgeous. There's so much to see there. Yeah. So get back. I like, I was interested in the point that you made about you weren't happy with the way it was being reported uh, at the time. Uh I've got my own thoughts on that, which I'm happy to share in a second, but maybe can you explain a little more about that? Yeah, I mean, I just think <laughs> it's, it's always kind of treated like a bit of a joke, you right, know? Yeah. And 
I get that, you know, because it is, weed is, you know, weed is funny and it's, there's, there's such a big, uh, stoner comedy subculture, yeah. and, you know, people related to Cheech and Chong and stuff, but also, I mean, legalization is a serious thing. You know, there's a right. whole industry being created. It's a big social change. It has, uh, implications for social justice, um, and just, you know, just for, for justice, there are people who have been put in jail for this kind of thing for, uh, for, for decades now. Um, so I, I think that we have to move beyond treating it like a joke and just treat it like anything else, you know, yeah. like treat it like, uh, treat it like reporting on commodity or oil or, or social justice or crime or anything like that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I've always, I get a little irritated whenever I see uh, news reporting on it as well, because there's always those token shots of, um, yeah. you know, the people with the, you know, bad fingernails and the bad joints and bongs and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, and I just go, you know, that's not helping anybody, especially in the context of what's about to happen. And people need to get used to that idea. I've always been a little bit annoyed every time I see that. So are you now able, do you feel like that you're able to sort of change the way you report on things based on that? I try. I mean, I just try to treat everyone with respect. You know what I mean? I, yeah. um, especially, you know, like if I'm, talking to someone who smokes weed for, you know, for recreational purposes. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that I, I need to challenge them on that idea. Like this is a fairly oh, yeah. popular drug. A lot of Canadians use it. So, you know, should we, should we really be making people look silly if they, if, you know, if they right. admit to, to using this substance, it's, it's, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's sort of the, what's at the core of my of, of of my approach to this is I don't think it's that unusual for people to use cannabis. Right now, I'm, you know? I'm surely the, sure that you've come across people who feel it is, though. Of course, yeah. Oh, of course, and you know, I try to take that perspective into account too. I, yeah. I like for sure there are a lot of people, and will continue after legalization. Will continue to be a lot of people who are not into cannabis and they want nothing to do with it. And, right. you know, they don't want it in their communities. And, you know, that's, that's a reasonable perspective, I think. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, I don't, I don't think that that should be the only perspective, but I think it's, it's worth listening to. Of course. Yeah. That's going to change the time though, you know, but it's a, it's a generational thing. Yeah. It's a generational thing. So, um, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> talking to, to older people and younger people about, about cannabis is, and, and seeing the different ways they react to that idea is, is really illuminating to me. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's the one thing that I find too. I mean, we, you know, in the process of doing even this podcast, we talked to so many different people about it. And I'll tell you, one thing I know is that every single person we've spoken to and speak to has a different opinion. And, and so what I mean by that is that, you know, whether they're for or against it, it, their reasons why they're for or against are so different. Um, and, mm -hmm. and the amount of questions people have and, and not only that, but, um, the amount of what I would consider old beliefs that are, they're still hanging on to. Uh, and, and so I wonder sometimes, do you think that there's room in society for, for something like cannabis to be treated, not the way you've been describing it, um, but to be treated respectfully? Do I think that there's room for it? I do, but it's, I mean that's a, that's an uphill struggle. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think that I just, 
for me, I try to just keep my reporting grounded in facts and keep the speculation out of it as much as possible, which is yeah. hard, you know, because I'm always reporting in the future tense. It's always, oh, yeah. will this happen after legalization or will this happen or what will this look like? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing I do try to, I, I don't think the sky is going to fall after legalization. That was, you know, my biggest takeaway from Colorado. Yeah. You know, you, you go there and it's an incredible novelty to be able to walk into a marijuana store and show your ID and, and have all these products available to you and not be breaking the law. Yeah. Um, but Colorado continues on, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. and all the other states too, like the sky has not fallen there, but, um, I think it's I think it's probably going to take decades for uh, wow. for some Canadians to see that. Yeah, know? I mean, so you spent the whole summer there. Twenty uh, sixteen. About I think I, I I meant to spend about four weeks there, but it ends up being more like six weeks. Oh, I got yeah. a I fell down a flight of stairs and got a concussion in the middle of it. <laughs> I spent <laughs> a bit more time than I meant to. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. What was your I mean. What was your takeaway from that? I mean, I, I think if your goal was to go down there and figure out if the, if this is what the future is going to look like, what did you come away with? Um, I mean, again, my big takeaway was what I just said, which is that life goes on. Yeah. Uh, but my other my other big takeaway was that you know even after cannabis legalization, uh, there are people with completely that, that have complaints about the cannabis industry. And I think those complaints are legitimate. You know, I spent mm -hmm. some time, and I think they should be listened to. I, I spent some time uh, in a neighborhood of Denver, um, a, a fairly low income working class neighborhood, primarily Hispanic. Um, it's kind of under, it's been split in half by a freeway. They had a lot of empty warehouses after the 2008, 2009 recession. Yeah. Uh, and guess who, you know, guess who bought up those warehouses, right? right. People who wanted to, to grow cannabis. And so now a lot of people in this neighborhood are upset about some of these businesses in their neighborhood. You know, some of them don't make great neighbors. Uh, some of them can smell pretty funky, you know, at right. certain times and there's issues with odor control. And I think that's, I think that's completely legitimate. You know yeah. what I mean? I, and I reported on that and I listened to what those people have to say. And, you know, I tried to do my best to, to respect their opinion too. I think that, yeah. you know, even, even if the sky doesn't fall and Canada doesn't end after legalization, there are going to be problems. Sure. Uh, there are going to be hangups. There are going to be complaints and those are, those are completely legitimate and should be, we should be paying attention to those. Yeah. And, and how are they, or any of those things? Like I, I never even thought of that, to be honest, like the smell of the, um, of the plants, not the literal plants, but the buildings, um, yeah. And is there anything that anyone can even do about that? Or is, I mean, is it, is it what it is? I think for a lot of the people in that neighborhood, you know, that particular neighborhood that I'm thinking of is sort of zoned mixed industrial and residential. So oh. it's not really clear what they can do except, you know, try and work directly with those, those producers to, yeah, yeah. to fix things up a bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also think that the regulatory approach we're taking to legalization in Canada is a lot stricter oh, yeah. uh, in many ways than, than what we have, they have in Colorado. And I think that, um, I, I, you know, I think that some of those problems, like specifically that problem of having plants where people don't want it. I think, I think that those problems, we might be able to avoid some of those just because the regulations right. appear to be a bit stricter to me. Just in terms of where the buildings can be, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At the same time, you know, 
cannabis, especially when it's, you know, time to harvest, it, it can be quite stinky. Yeah. And if you have a ton of cannabis growing in one place, that smell is going to spread. Yeah. Um, some, some people don't mind that smell and, and other people do. And I think it's, you know, I think it's reasonable to keep that out of residential areas. Yeah. It's funny, you know, we're, um, we're recording next to, right next to a brewery. And uh, yeah. I can tell you on certain days when you walk around the street by that brewery, it's pretty gross. <laughs> that smell. Yeah, I could imagine. And I mean, like, I wonder how long people it takes before people just go, oh, yeah, that's the smell of the brewery. Or oh, that's the smell of the plant, uh, you know, making plants over there. I don't know. Right. Or, you know, would they be more likely to tolerate it if it's, if, you know, their brother works there or if it's yeah. like broad job in their community or something yeah, like that? You know, so I mean, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Industry can be stinky. Yeah, no kidding. No matter what kind of industry. Was there anything about that trip to um, Colorado that really surprised you? Like that you walked away kind of scratching your head going, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I think I was, I don't, I don't want to say surprised necessarily, but I was interested to see that, you know, you walk into uh, a, a cannabis growing facility there and they have these walls of licenses, you know, municipal licenses and oh, state yeah. licenses yeah. Uh, and permits. And they cost a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I remember I had one guy point out his, his big wall of licenses and permits and say, you know, this is half a million dollars right here on this wall. Um, oh, and I, you know, I said something to the effect of like, what well, you know, like, how do you feel about that? Is that, is that bothersome for you? Um, and th this was a guy, you know, kind of a, a classic American guy who was pretty much against government regulation and intervention as a, as a philosophical uh, right. position. Yeah. But he, you know, I remember he said to me and what so many other people said to me was, you know, well, it's annoying and it's expensive, but at the end of the day, I'm so happy to pay these licensing fees and to be regulated because I can, I can do this business legally. Right. You know, and yeah. I think that, um, you know, even in a, in a kind of, more laissez-faire political atmosphere uh, like the U.S., people are still, for the most part, they're ready to play by the rules, even if those rules are yeah. expensive. You know, they're just so excited to to be able to do what they do legally that they are, are perfectly willing to submit to regulation. Wow. You know, of course, there's always going to be the fringe of people who who are against any kind of regulation. Um you know, but if they if they break the rules, they won't last, right? Yeah, and are they? I mean, are they paying attention to Canada at all? I mean, I guess back in 2016, I don't know if if the discussion in our country would have would have been as relevant. But what was your take on that? I mean, I, I was at an expo, I guess, last year, and it seemed that there were a lot of Americans there that were watching very closely what was going on here. I think, right? You know, I'll say this as someone who's a, a dual U S Canadian citizen and, and, and spent the formative years of my life growing up in the U S I think for the most part, Americans do not pay much attention to what is happening outside of their country. Right. Uh, unless there's money involved. <laughs> and I think, I think that the, the extent to which Americans are paying attention to the Canadian cannabis industry right now, uh, has a lot to do with the fact that the money is here. Right. right. We, because it, because our, Stock markets are allowing people to engage in the cannabis industry, unlike the U.S. markets. Uh, although that that is starting to change. No, right I didn't now. know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, just a huge amount of capital is flowing into Canada, and I think that's why the Americans are interested. Yeah. I think you know, and of course, this is a, a vast generalization, but I don't think there are that many Americans, except those who are really interested in cannabis policy, who are paying attention to 
cannabis legalization in Canada just because they're interested in legalization. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless they're involved in a business or something or, or somehow financially engaged, I guess it doesn't matter to them. I think it, I think it really comes down to the fact that money is flowing into Canada out of the United States and into Canada in terms of legal investments into the cannabis industry. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, people, people want to be where there's a chance to grow their money. And yeah. That includes Americans. Wow. Fascinating. So back to the writing. Yeah. How many stories are you writing in a given week? Uh, you know, I work five days a week and I try to file a story every day. So, um, you know, yeah, go ahead. Some of those are going to be, we, uh, we send out a newsletter a couple times a week and I, I've sort of designed it so that those double as, as stories that are maybe a bit lighter in tone, um, you know, are a bit more conversational in tone. Is that and the then, dear um, Herb one? No, no, dear, dear Herb is the advice column. That yeah. comes out on Wednesdays. So that also, <laughs> that also counts, uh, as an article. And then, um, you know, there's a couple other days of the week to fill. So I try and find something new for every, for every day of the week. So it's fair to say that you're thinking about this business probably nonstop. Would that be accurate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that's accurate. And, uh, you know, the thing for me is like, like most people who go into journalism, I'm kind of a news junkie and I just, I love reading whatever news I can, but, uh, I am so I, all I read about is weed now. Wow. Uh, you know, during, during my work day. And so, you know, I'll finish the day and then I'll, I'll go home and I'll look at the news and I'll be like, Oh, this, you know, this thing happened in the real world or, you know, Donald Trump did what today? Yeah. And, right. Uh, it, <laughs> it can be a little bit isolating. Actually. Yeah. All that fake news is so fascinating, but this real yeah. stuff, man, I don't know. So, so it's funny because we, we were laughing when we talk about the fact that you're, you're thinking about this all day at work. And we had just commented about the fact that we're kind of making a joke about it uh, or, or the media can sometimes make a joke about it, but this is your gig, right? I mean, you're thinking about this every day. You got to write stories every day. So how hard is it for you to find stories or is it difficult at all? You know what? I'm not finding it very hard these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like I said before, I'm sort of always writing in the future tense. Uh, so there are sort of an endless number of things, topics that I can write about in terms of what is this going to look like? What is that going to look like? Here's what these people say. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there are new, there's new information coming out from the, from federal and provincial governments every day about how they're planning to regulate uh, and legalize. There are endless local stories, you know, a local takes on this. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, and that, that's even before we get to the, the, the PR and communications people who are pitching me every day on, oh, right. you know, oh, we have, we raised this amount of money or, oh, we're going public here, you know, or we, we have this new product, you know? So you yeah, mean, I, I don't find it hard to. The licensed producers, you mean? The, the, the LPs exactly. are going on? Yeah, yeah. I, I never even thought of that. Um, so is it harder then for you to decide? Maybe the issue is not getting the stories, but deciding which one to write that day. Is How do you go about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, and even beyond that, you know, when you get really deeply involved in a topic, you can kind of lose perspective on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, uh, one thing that I find myself struggling with is if I see a piece of information, it might be something that I already knew or that I already had heard about. Yeah. Um, and I no longer personally find new or interesting, but I have to ask myself, 
okay, but is the average reader going to know about that? Oh, that's a good and point. And would they find it interesting? Yeah. So that that's what's challenging for me is stepping outside myself and 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 trying to look at it from from someone else's perspective and right. say, would this be interesting to someone else, even though it's old hat to me? Yeah, that's that's an excellent point because I know even even for us when doing this show, you know, we had to think a little bit about what who are we talking to here? Are we talking to people that have a ton of information on the subject? Or are we talking about someone that knows nothing? And I think, um, I guess it's to some degrees, we come at it from every angle, but, but I agree with you. So how do you have people that you, you know, you need, you have, you bounce stuff off of, or someone you can do a gut check with to go, is this relevant to you? Or how do you, how do you make that decision? Hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, just like head down to the bowling alley and, just start talking to hey is this story interesting to you yeah let me run this i don't i don't think i do have anyone like that i mean there's a lot of people who are involved in the industry who i chat with you know especially on twitter there's like a great there's a great community of uh cannabis folks on twitter um but no i you know what i do think i i like to do i like to read online comments Oh yeah, on uh, cannabis news articles, and that kind of gives you a sense of what people are chatting about. Oh, okay. Uh, even though you know, as everyone knows, online comments can be can be a cesspool, but um, yeah. you know, there's there's also some good stuff in there, and it gives you an idea of the kinds of questions people are asking. And um, you know, we run the Leaf News runs a, a Facebook group where we post all our stuff, and and I read the comments on that, try and keep up with those, and. Um, people ask a lot of interesting questions provide uh, some context kind of and then yeah. yeah and then there's the standard stuff that's just like oh you know of course the government would do this screw the man man and that's, <laughs> you know yeah. you got to wade through that stuff too yeah do you ever worry <clears throat> i find the the idea that you would lose or you'd mentioned earlier that you sometimes can lose your perspective and and in some of what i've been experiencing with folks particularly folks like yourself or others who are very close to this subject and have learned a lot and it's a, a part of their life in some form or another. Um, you know, it seems very kind of like, it's not a big deal, you know, do you ever worry that if you lose that perspective, um, do you think there's a risk in that for you that you'll maybe forget what is still relevant information to people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, for that reason, I try to, you know, because I'm always reading things that have sort of an implicitly pro cannabis bias. Right, right. I actually do try to expose myself to things that have a, an anti cannabis bias. Yeah. You yeah. know, like I, I keep in touch with people who describe themselves as prohibitionists, for example, you right. know, and I, and I think that that's informative for me. I think it's important to, to, to challenge, you know, whatever viewpoints you might be seeing every day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. I think, uh, you know, we always, we always talk about journalists as, as being objective. And I think that part of being objective or at least trying to be as objective as you can is, is just challenging yourself every day and, yeah. and asking yourself, you know, am I, am I giving a fair shake? To, uh, to the other side or the other perspective on this, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, that it's funny, you know, um, I, I have found, in, at least in the time that we've been doing this, I found that people are either on one side of that fence, so they're either for or against, um, and there's so much information out there, um, if you choose to look for it, 
And it seems to me, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about this. It seems to me that people tend to skew towards the information that is a better reflection of their own belief. And, and even if that information, you know, isn't necessarily right. I mean, I'll give you a quick example. I, I remember listening to a debate. I, I wasn't very involved in it. I was actually kind of fascinated by it. But it was a debate between two folks who were obviously plural and against. And using this same set of rules to qualify their opinion on the information they'd been reading. And what I mean by that is, you know, someone would say, well, there's evidence that there's psychosis related to uh, cannabis use. And someone would say, well, you can't prove that because what quantifies evidence in the same way that we can't use evidence to prove that it's beneficial. But you, you know what I'm saying? So some, on the one person that believes yeah. it's good, they're using the evidence that says, look at all these, these anecdotal pieces that say it's good. And on the other hand, people say, no, there's evidence that it's bad. But equally, everybody knows none of this evidence in this form that, you know, scientifically we say it's evidence isn't true. So I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but I'm just fascinated <laughs> by this idea that it's, it's no one really seems to know. We have all sorts of kind of things that can inform us, but none of it yet qualifies as evidence. So we tend to lean on whichever thing we seem to want to be the truth. Does that Absolutely. sound familiar to you? <laughs> it sounds so familiar to me. And I actually... I just wrote a, a piece that's that's related to this topic um, that we ran last weekend, and it was about you know I basically premise it on the idea that we know because because cannabis for medical purposes is already legal in Canada, and because Health Canada releases the number of people who use that program, we know that there is, has been a huge increase in the number of people who are using medical cannabis or using cannabis legally for medical purposes right. in Canada. Yeah, uh, in a, in a very short amount of time. Um, and at the same time, um, what, for lack of a better term, I will call the, the Canadian medical establishment, you know, that is sort of like the mainstream thinking of doctors and the organizations have, that represent them yeah. uh, are still really hesitant um, yeah, yeah. To, to say that, you know, this is a medicine, this is a drug that we can or should prescribe for certain conditions. And I, I'm so interested in exploring that disconnect. And yeah, I mean, as you said, if you, if you go to Google scholar, which is, you know, the search engine for academic papers and you type in cannabis or marijuana, you're going to get tens of thousands of answers that go back for decades. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the vast majority of that research has been premised on question, negative questions or questions of harm. Right. right? right. What, what, what is the, what are the risks of, of using cannabis for driving? Does cannabis cause lung cancer? Yeah. Um, you know, does it cause psychosis? That kind of thing. Yeah. And we just, I think in the last, in the last couple of decades, scientists have just now started asking um, those questions with, you know, more, more positive uh, that like right, can cannabis right. help with this. Um, and so I think that for me, one important part of understanding that huge body of scientific literature which I will never have time to read for myself yeah. um, in, in its entirety. But one important part of understanding that is sort of understanding that inherent structural bias in how scientists have approached this yeah. Um, yeah. over time. But it's a complicated question. Yeah, I mean, I think as you suggested, one of the big questions about cannabis legalization uh, is, is even just how do we study cannabis and how do we build knowledge around cannabis and, mm -hmm. and to what degree should we, should we um, give credence to the existing body of research around cannabis right. or should we all, you know, start over? 
<laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's true. I mean, every time I read something and I'm, I'm probably not reading it or thinking about it as much as you, but, but certainly more than I used to. And every time I read something, depending on which way the article is skewing, I mean, I can f- walk away kind of scratching my head, just kind of going like, now I'm not sure what I think anymore. You know, I read a, yeah. uh, I read an article the other day and it was, um, it was in a special release magazine, you know, it was all about the upcoming uh, marijuana is going mainstream, I think it was called. And in the article, there was an interview with two opposing politicians in the U.S., and they asked the same questions to each of them. And yeah. the answers <laughs> were so completely different and so and based on such completely different, again, quote, unquote, evidence that I literally walked away and went, wow, like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that. Like, like it's fascinating. Right. Okay. Which is, brings us back to your original point, which is, yeah. you know, the, that idea of confirmation bias, right? Which yeah. is that people will just end up, you know, in the face of this confusing thing, people will just end up choosing the information that is what they already believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so true. It's anyway. Um, I, I noticed on your, um, on your bio, you have, you have this, um, I'm not going to say the website, but it says that you can share marijuana-related stories and tips by emailing you, and then you sure. uh, you have this other thing on your website, the Dear Herb, which I I I've, I thought was really quite interesting. And so the Dear Herb is almost like an Ann Landers kind of thing. I might have just aged myself, but um, you know, I can send in. Yeah, a, I know who Ann Landers is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was you I was worried about, but but there was some. Um, it is kind of like I can send an email in, and you might answer that. Is that correct? So what? Yeah, absolutely. That's got to be fun. I mean, like it's great. There's got to. Yeah. <laughs> is there any any uh, you know? What are some of the weirdest questions you've been asked? <laughs> A lot of them aren't even aren't even questions really they're just, they're just comments but um, yeah yeah there's a lot of people a lot these days a lot of them tend to be just questions of of legality if I do this after legalization will it be legal uh, and I always, I always do my best to answer those questions, even though I'm not a lawyer and I'm, yeah. I'm terrified of giving someone the wrong advice. <laughs> um, but, uh, here I'll, I'll, I'll give you a good question. I, you know, I can't think of any particularly egregious questions, but I, I'll, I'll read one that I'm, I'm actually planning to answer, uh, on for in this Wednesday. Oh, call. cool. Let's do it. Yeah. The question is dear Herb, if I'm a rookie who hasn't used pot for years, What's the easiest product to start with on July 1st? Something that's easy to consume, so maybe not something I have to smoke. Something that's not too powerful, something I won't look dumb asking for. And I love that question. Wow. Such a good question. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of what I'd like say. I can... <laughs> I'd start by saying, know, thought... don't do it on July 1st, for starters. Right, because, yeah, <laughs> July 1st is no longer going to be the day. Yeah. Even though that's been, I mean... The amount of times that, that that July 1st date has been circulated in the media, it's just driving me crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, yeah, I've been thinking for, I, I got that question about a week ago. I've been thinking for the last week about how to answer it. Yeah. And uh, I'm afraid I don't have a great answer for this person. You're afraid that you, you don't know? have a great answer? Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is that if they don't want to, if they don't want to smoke, yeah. uh, their, their edibles are not going yeah. And they want something that's going to be easy to use. You know, commercially produced edibles are not going to be right. available right on the date of legalization, whenever that is. So their only other choice is, I guess, a vaporizer. So basically, they they will have to go out and 
buy some bud and then buy a vaporizer and learn how to use a vaporizer. Yeah. Uh, at, at least if they want to avoid smoking, which is, um, you know, which is sort of an interesting point when you think about it, that maybe the, the, the products that would be most easy for, for newbies to use, uh, will not necessarily be available right on day one of, uh, legalization. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I wonder, I mean, I've heard rumors, nothing confirmed, but I've heard rumors, at least here in Nova Scotia, that some of those products will be made available. I don't know if they'll be made available right away, but, um, well, what product are you referring to? Like a vaporizer accessories. Oh, I mean, those are lots, those are legal right now. You know, the, the, the thing you vaporize in them is illegal unless you're a registered medical cannabis. Right, user, right. You can yeah. buy a vaporizer right now. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I was thinking more in the, um, for someone who wouldn't know where to go or how to find that stuff, if they were going into whatever distribution modeled retail outlet was selling. Um, yeah. I think that here, at least, uh, I heard that anyway, that there might be things like vaporizers in the stores for that very reason, um, to oh, yeah. sort of prohibit the smoking angle, I guess. Yeah. So. I mean, they, the stores, I, you know, I can't speak to, 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 to where you are, but, uh, you know, I know from talking to people who are planning the stores here in, in uh, Manitoba, they will absolutely be selling accessories. Yeah. And, yeah. I would be. I mean, they're definitely going to be smoking accessories, but I think they're probably going to be putting vaporizers uh, front and center as well. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm interested in how you answer the story. I'm going to have to follow along and see what you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm worried that the answer is going to be disappointed to this guy. You know, he uh, they might have to ask some dumb sounding questions about how to use a vaporizer. Yeah. Well, like I think that. there's going to be... Maybe that's an article I can write. Dumb, dumb sounding questions? Well, no, like, how do you, how do I use the vaporizer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. I might like that. It depends on the vaporizer, <laughs> yeah. So do you think we're ready? And by we, I mean Canada. <laughs> I mean, no, but also, you know, if we're talking about Canada as a nation, like, what does it even mean to be ready? That yeah. every single person in the country is, is says, yes, I am prepared, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, of course, legalization, if it's going to happen, it has to happen sometime. Not everyone is going to be ready for it. There are going to be hiccups. Yeah. Uh, governments, you know, the federal government and provincial governments and municipal governments uh, are, are already making and are going to continue making mistakes, you know, or yeah. at least things that in hindsight we can say, oh, well, that wasn't a great idea. Um, yeah, that, that's, no matter what your policy changes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If, we, if the government were to legalize uh, self-driving cars across Canada tomorrow, there would be some problems with that too. Yeah, that's um, true. I think there are some people on the political spectrum, you know, especially since we're heading up to, uh, to a federal election in, in, in 2019, uh, there are going to be people who are going to seize on those mistakes and say, see, Legalization was the wrong idea all along. Look yeah. how they screwed it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you introduce any big policy change, there are going to be lessons to be learned and you have to adjust as you go along. So, yeah. I mean, no, I don't think Canada will be ready, but I also don't think Canada could ever be considered ready for this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I think that go ahead. those people who use cannabis will be ready and they've been ready for a long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, it's you know funny. I mean? It's a good point. I mean, what, what does it mean to even be ready? I mean, I think at some point you got to, I like the idea of set a date and, and do everything you can to, to, um, 
present a readiness that is safe and easy and usable and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I think there are plenty of important questions uh, to be asked about certain aspects of how the federal government is, is framing legalization and approaching legalization. Uh, And I, as I said, you know, I think they're, they are making and will continue making mistakes. Uh, But at the same time, I, you know, credit where credit is due. Uh, I think there are a lot of civil servants at Health Canada who are working really, really hard on this yeah. uh, right now. I'm sure they're working really long days over there. So, you know, even though, like I said, those mistakes are going to be made, I don't think it's, it's going to be because they didn't try. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? I think, I think the government is legitimately working really hard on this. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really talking about the politicians here, but I'm talking about the civil servants. There are a lot of people who are really dedicated to, to cannabis legalization. And I think they're, they're really working their butts off right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, just a couple more things. Um, first of all, what, given, you know, on the heels of the deer herb column, I might have to send you in some questions. I like this. Um, what, sure. ad, what advice <laughs> would you give to anyone as we prepare for legalization? What would be kind of like the one thing or two things you would say to somebody? I mean, who is that somebody? You know what I mean? Is it is it someone who's worried about legalization? Is that is that the person you have? Ah, uh, good question. I don't want you to answer my questions with questions, man. <laughs> uh, Maybe I should have been a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, anyone listening to this right now and who's curious, it's about to happen. I'm going to say not a dedicated user, not a regular user, but the general population um, who are going, man, what do I need to do? I'm trying to get ready for this. Legalization is about to happen. You know, what do I need to be aware of? Um, I think the biggest thing to be aware of is legalization does not mean that there's going to be some like overnight an enormous shift in the way people are using cannabis. Right. There's a, a, a pretty big proportion of, of Canadian adults uh, and non-adults for that matter who are already using cannabis. Yeah. Uh, many of them choose not to talk about it, you know, outside of whatever circle of friends they have that also use cannabis. I think they're, we're going to, slowly see more people, you know, being a bit more open about how they use cannabis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that legalization is going to represent some enormous shift like overnight, you know, like they're going to flip the legalization switch (laughs) and then the next day everyone's going to be smoking a joint on the street, you know, people are already smoking joints on the street. Yeah. We just don't, I can drive down, you know, I'm driving around Winnipeg and I, I catch a whiff all the time in my car window, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the big thing. It's, it's not like the world is going to change overnight. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I would say just uh, take a deep breath, read theleafnews.com and uh, learn a few things. <laughs> well done. One thing, one final thing. Um, sure. The best answer to this question I'm about to ask you um, was, the question that I asked was, do you think legalization is a good thing? And the best answer I've heard so far was someone who just said, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that, that is insofar as there can be a right answer to that question. That is, that is the answer. That's you the know, right answer, like, yeah. can I, can I get back to you in 50 years? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50 years. It'll be interesting to see how that looks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 32 now and I'm going to have to, 
wait until hopefully I'm an old man to, to really see how this, uh, this works out. But yeah, I think that is the right answer. Yeah. We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. Yeah. I'm interested myself to see how long it's going to take, to be honest, before we have a good sense of whether it's good or bad. I mean, I, I don't know if it'll be 50. I think, I think it'll be at least, you know, 10, 15 before we really know, but uh, we'll, sure. we'll see what happens in the next, the day after, right? Or the day it becomes legal. It'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Well, Solomon, look, yeah. uh, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to be, I'm going to be following your column and um, I'm going to figure out some good zingers to send off to Dear Herb and see what I, <laughs> when I get back. Yeah. Well, you know, now that I know the kinds of questions you asked, I'll probably know it's you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, look, man, thanks again. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll chat soon. Yeah, take care, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. So that was my chat with Solomon. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to chatting with a journalist on this topic. I mean, the amount of information that he must have and consume, as he said, um, must be staggering. The first thing that I liked about what he said was, this isn't a joke. I mean, the idea that, you know, there continues to be this sort of stoner culture representation in the media. And, and you know, I don't know what percentage... Of, of current users that would represent. But I think going forward, that's going to change. So I sort of liked his motivation to sort of treat the reporting with a lot of respect, regardless of which side of the fence that you might be on. I can only imagine how tough it must be for him to, to manage that risk of, of being numb to the information. I think he said he thinks about it all the time, reads every day, yet still has to be able to identify what bit of information he's taking in is relevant to someone who's not reading and thinking about it every day. And I, so I thought it was interesting that he would have to, to battle that. I think uh, most importantly, and I, I never really thought about it this way until today, you know, how far away are we as a society, as adults, uh, from taking our kids out for their first um, experience with marijuana. I mean, I think any of us with kids can remember the first time they let their children have a beer or took them out for a drink and the way that that moment kind of bonds you as an adult and parent in some weird but acceptable way. How many years away are we with cannabis? Is it five years or as Solomon said, is it 50 years? Does a whole generation of people have to pass before we're at a place where it's that acceptable and that easy? Now, look, who knows? I mean, maybe the evidence will come out and, and will suggest all kinds of things that we don't know yet about the product. And maybe that will never happen. Maybe the evidence will suggest it's okay. And maybe it will happen. But that's a fascinating idea to me that at some point, the same way that alcohol becomes this weird sort of bond between us and our kids, this movement from adolescence to adulthood in some weird way could also at some point be represented by this product. I, uh, you know, I, I loved that Solomon chose to acknowledge the hard work that people are no doubt doing to prepare for whatever date becomes the day that uh, cannabis becomes legal. And he's, he's absolutely right. There are going to be mistakes made. And I think we just have to accept and prepare for that. What I like about the fact that every province is doing it differently is hopefully someone gets more of it right than someone else. And we can all learn from that. And if we're here two years from now, when we're still talking about everything that's messed up, well, then maybe we've got to reassess the situation. 
So that wraps up today. Uh, listen in in a couple of weeks when we'll have the CEO from Mad Canada joining us. Andrew Murray will be here. He'll have lots to say about the impacts on driving as it relates to legalization of cannabis. Uh, the years uh, and time that they've spent dealing with, of course, alcohol and driving, uh, are now a new challenge. So Andrew will be a great guest to have in a couple of weeks. You're listening to Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Thanks for listening. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 